In Matthew, the fifth chapter, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches about those who might be our enemies in the Beatitudes. He says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 10, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We may never have to be on the run from people who want to kill us. Maybe we will, but for the most part, I don't know if that will be any of us in this room. But we probably have people who have gossiped about us. We probably have people who have lied about us. We have probably had people who have or will mock us or deter us from doing what is right. Those are our enemies. We may have enemies who do not understand nor appreciate the stance that we might take against immoral behavior in a wicked and godless society that we live in. Maybe it is that you get passed over for a promotion at work because you didn't make friends with the right people because you have morals, because you have integrity, you have drawn a line in the stand, that you will not participate in social drinking, you're not going to be at the right places at the right times, you're not going to dress in a way that's suggestive and revealing. That because you have taken a stance, maybe you won't receive some benefit, you have enemies. We may have enemies, and guess what? If that's you, if you have an enemy in your life who has gossiped about you or slandered you or mocked you or insulted you, take refuge in God. Do what's right. Look to the reward that Jesus reminds you about. And we certainly know that there is danger, that there is an enemy that we all have in Satan. The devil. In the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, notice here what the Apostle Paul says. In Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We do have an enemy. We have Satan and his forces that are trying to deter us. He is trying to turn us to evil. He is trying to turn us away from God. There is nothing more that Satan would be happy with and pleased with than to get you to be discouraged and to refuse to find safety from God.
No, we may not be chased like David was. We have an enemy who's trying to destroy your soul. You have refuge. You have a place that you can turn to. You have a person in our God who is able to help. Never forget that. In Psalm 5, we skipped over this one on purpose when we looked at several verses from the book of Psalms. In the fifth Psalm, and in verse 11, David, I think, pins very well these words that are trying to help us understand what our response ought to be. Because we do have a God who provides safety. He provides a place of security. He provides refuge for our soul. Notice here what he says. This is the response that we should give to God. In Psalm 5 and verse 11, Let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And may you shelter them that those who love your name may exult in you. Our response should be to be here, to worship God, to sing, to pray, to give thanks to God. Because we do have a God who protects us from Satan and temptation and sin. That God is indeed our refuge. And what we should want to be is to be here, to be with our brethren, to worship our God every chance that we have an opportunity to. Because there is nothing more precious than that safety and that security that we have from God. These cities of refuge, they help us understand that this is what God has provided us. And we can never take the salvation and the safety and the security and the refuge from the Lord for granted. Thus we should praise God. We should worship Him in spirit and in truth. We should sing for joy because of our refuge in our holy God. And God is the one who provides safety and security for us. And He does that through Jesus, His Son. Notice in the second psalm. In Psalm 2, this is a psalm that's been considered a messianic psalm. It's a psalm about Christ. Where in Psalm 2 and in verse 6, But as for me, I have installed my king. These are essentially the words of God. That he has installed his king upon Zion, my holy mountain, he says. And he says in verse 7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. The words of the Messiah that... God calls the Messiah His Son. And you continue on in this psalm in verse 12. Do homage to the Son, that He be not become angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. You like that little beatitude there at the end, don't you? How blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Now, 
if we're going to find that safety and security in, from God, then we have to come to God's Messiah. We have to come to God's Son, God's King, Jesus Christ. I mentioned that there is one passage in the New Testament where you find the word and the idea of refuge in Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6 and in verses 18 through 20. Where the Hebrew writer, he has been talking about the covenant that God has made, that God has established, and that there is hope that we have because of God's sure word and God's certain promise. And he says in verse 18, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus is our high priest. He is God's son. He is the king who has secured our refuge and he has given us hope, the hope of our soul. And while the Old Testament cities of refuge provide a glimpse into what is found in Jesus in that foreshadowing, those cities only offered temporal security, refuge, and salvation. What Jesus provides, though, is something for eternity. In Hebrews chapter 9, in Hebrews chapter 9 and in verse 12, talking about that covenant that God has established through Jesus Christ and through the shedding of Christ's blood, he says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12, And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood, He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That what Christ has provided is not something that's temporary. It's not just something physical. It's not just something for the here and now. It's something for eternity. Redemption and salvation in Jesus Christ. It prepares us for an eternal home. What I find so fascinating when you think about our refuge in Jesus Christ. You think about the cities of refuge in the Old Testament. While an Israelite might have engaged in some sort of fight and beat someone up and committed manslaughter, that it wasn't premeditated. And he could go to the city of refuge. He could go before the council and before the congregation. And they could clear him of all charges, basically. And they could say, yes, this, this was an accident. It was manslaughter. That you're safe here. That someone could have done that and it would have been completely accidental. But you know what? Anyone and everyone who comes to Jesus Christ for refuge, there's no guessing about it. We're guilty. 
we committed sin. In Romans chapter 3, and in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. In verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one who comes to Jesus needing redemption and needing salvation in need of refuge is innocent. We are all guilty. Let that sink in. Anyone who has ever come confessing in the name of Christ to be baptized in water, to have their sins washed away, they are recognizing that they are guilty. That they have sinned. They have violated God's commandment. And what is perhaps even more amazing is that in the cities of refuge in the Old Testament, that the high priest, after he died, that, that person can leave, can leave the city of refuge. But our high priest, when you think about Jesus, that he gave his life. For us to have security, to have redemption, to have forgiveness of sins. That He volunteered to give His life for someone who was guilty. In 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2 and in verse 2 it says, And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Jesus gave His life for you and for me, for those who have come to seek refuge from the Lord. But you know what? Jesus also gave His life for those who do not want refuge from Him. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? And He provides refuge and safety rescuing us from the wrath of God. In Romans chapter 5, in Romans the 5th chapter, in Romans chapter 5 and in verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We are saved from the wrath of God. We are protected. He rescues us and He provides that refuge that we need. You continue on reading throughout the book of Romans and you find out that there is security in Jesus. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there is refuge, there is safety, there is salvation for those who come to Christ. Just as an Israelite would have to go to the city of refuge to find safety and security, for those who come to Christ, there is no condemnation. 
You can be cleared of all charges even though you are guilty. That's the wonderful message of the Gospel of Christ. But what I find also kind of to be fascinating, especially in light of the Old Testament in the cities of refuge, that those Israelites, they had to remain in that city. If they left the city of refuge, then guess what? That that the avenger of blood could come and take that vengeance. They weren't protected outside of the city of refuge. For those who come to Christ and seek refuge and are in Christ and have clothed themselves with Christ, the language that Paul uses in the book of Galatians in chapter 3, That if we leave Christ, if we leave Him, and if we turn away from Him, then we're giving up that safety and security and refuge. In the book of Jude, in Jude verse 21, Jude admonishes us as Christians. In Jude verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Some people might leave the love of God. They might turn away. They may not want God's refuge any longer. They abandon it. If we're going to have that security and the blessing and salvation, then we have to remain in Christ Jesus. There are conditions and we need to remain in that love of God. But I want you to hear me very loud and clear this morning. There is security in Christ Jesus. There is security in Him. And I think that's something that we need to preach and teach and not be ashamed of. It's a message I don't know if we have preached, and I say we, just the kind of the universal broad we there. I don't know if we have talked about that enough. Because it's not uncommon for me to talk to someone and find out that they sort of had this mistaken view of God. Where that... They have this mistaken view that they are never going to do enough to be pleasing to God and that we can never know if we're saved or not. They may wake up every day and they may doubt if they are going to be saved, if they are a Christian and they have been living their life to be pleasing to God. They wake up every day and they're always kind of wondering, I don't know. I don't know if I've done enough. Now, I think maybe they get to that point because they are trying to avoid doctrinal error like once saved, always saved. We certainly don't want to give a false sense of hope and security to anyone. Because if you sin, you are not in that place of safety and security that you need to seek refuge. You need to seek salvation. You need to seek forgiveness. But I think it also comes from this misguided view of God's love. That people, they, they don't understand that there is security in Christ because they have this misguided view that 
We have to always be doing something to be earning and keeping God's love. And they're asking themselves every day, am I really good enough? Have I done enough today to serve God? Have I prayed enough today? Or have I read my Bible enough today? If that describes you, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me this morning. But I don't want you to hear my opinion about it. I want you to hear what the New Testament says. That you can know that you are saved. You can know that. And you can know that you have eternal life and eternal refuge. In the book of 1 John, in 1 John chapter 5, in 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 13, notice what John says. He says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you are here this morning, you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb and you, are, you have been baptized and you have had your sins washed away and you have been cleansed, you don't have to wake up every morning with this fear that you have to live up to and earn your salvation or earn God's love. Salvation is a gift. It is a conditional gift that is received in obedience and faith, but God's love, God's love is unconditional. And there is safety and security in the arms of Jesus, our Savior. And you can know that you are saved. And you can know that you have eternal life. There is safety and security in Jesus Christ, our loving Savior. And when we realize this, what the Hebrew writer was talking about, then we have that strong encouragement. We have the strength to receive the hope that is before us. Recognize that the safety and security that comes from Jesus Christ and be thankful for it. And one final point for us to consider this morning is that heaven is our refuge for the age to come. In the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 14, in verse 32, Solomon says, The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge. When he dies. There is a refuge that we have. After death. You think about death. Dying. It's a very painful process. It's ugly. It's filled with a reminder that we live in a world that has been corrupted by sin and death. And most people are afraid of death, aren't they? However, what Solomon does is reminds us that if we're righteous, if we're serving God, there is a refuge that we look forward to when we die. 
And while the process of dying is ugly, the fact is death brings us into the presence of God. And so for the righteous, we are encouraged and given hope that after death, we are going to a place of refuge. Well, you can read about that city of refuge in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapters 21 and 22. That city of God, that city built four square. That is described as the place where the river, the water of life is, where the tree of life is growing in its midst. And it bears 12 kinds of fruit. It offers healing. Where we will be before the throne of God. Where there will be no more curse. There will be no more death. Where He Himself will be the light of that city. Where there won't be need of the sun or a lamp. Where our God is. Heaven is our city of refuge because God is there. The God of refuge. Heaven is our city of refuge because we will be in the presence of the Savior who died for us. And refuge is found in being with Christ. In the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 21 and verses 21 and 23, Paul says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How is death gain? The way that we describe death here on earth is it's loss, isn't it? We lost someone. And while we might lose someone, someone who dies that has the hope of eternal life, they gain everything. Which is what Paul says in verse 23. But I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ. But that is very much better. We have a dear friend of ours, a good friend of mine, Shane Carrington. He preaches with the church in Sulphur Springs, Texas. And he and his wife, his wife has been battling cancer for about the past four, four and a half years. She's now under hospice care, probably just hours remaining. And Shane's been very diligent in sending out emails and information when they have some news. And when they got a pretty bleak diagnosis a few weeks ago, he said this, She hopes Jesus comes and takes her to glory before the morning comes. She was disappointed when she awoke in this world this morning. She is emotionally and spiritually ready to go. Please pray for her desire to come true. Our prayers had to change. But she has the hope of eternal life and a city of refuge to go to. Something that we all have as children of God. A refuge that we can look forward to. To being safe in the arms of Jesus our Lord.
He sang that song this morning. Safe in the arms of Jesus. Safe on his gentle breast. There by his love or shaded. Sweetly my soul shall rest. There is safety and there is comfort. There is blessing. There is refuge in Jesus Christ. And we can look forward to that refuge if we will come to Christ seeking salvation and mercy and forgiveness of sins. This morning, if you're not yet a child of God, we want you to come to the Lord. Come to the place of refuge and security and comfort. Or that knowing that you can live your life until it's very end, until you take that very last breath, you can live with the comfort and the hope that eternal life is yours. If we can help you in some way this morning, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?